If you take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. So we finished up our Advent series as we looked at the light piercing the darkness. And uh, last week we looked at the Psalm 90 as we saw the prayer of, of Moses and understanding that it's the... It's our prayers that are so significant because those are the things that find themselves in the bowls of gold in Revelation chapter 5. It's it's the thing. It's not sermons that are the things going up and being lifted. It's not acts of service. It's not all the things that we do. It's how we communicate to God and how an incredible gift that he's given to us in communicating to him. And then today we're going to look at what does it mean to be all in, and I'll kind of explain that. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 this morning. Now, I am a product of uh, Brevard County. I was born in Cocoa Beach and uh, for the most part grew up in Cocoa Beach, and I loved it. Um, loved being able to try to go surfing, and my grandparents lived right on the beach, and um, loved that Cocoa Beach was a small school, and so it didn't matter whether you had money or didn't have money. You had people from Cape Canaveral um, that we called the Cape Canaveral Rats to the rich of Cocoa Beach who were the lawyers and doctors' kids, and we all got along because we just we were too small to do otherwise, and it was a, a time of just enjoyment as a kid, and then just the water wonderland that was around us. But one of the things that was frustrating was um, I became a Christian later in my high school years, my last year, in fact. Um, but the people and the, the situations that were around us uh, were very lost. I mean, even the, the, the very churches within Cocoa Beach itself, I think of all the churches, maybe two actually preached the gospel. Only two. And I remember very clearly going to the big A-frame church, the Methodist church, and remembering hearing one Sunday that Jesus was a good way to get to heaven, but not the only way. And people were buying into it. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, doesn't it make sense to you if you could, if you could live the way that you want and still have Jesus on the side and get in whatever way you want, but you could live the rest of your life the way that you wanted to? <clears throat> Sounds good. <laughs> it's just not the truth. And so the reality is, is that um, my heart was broken for Brevard County and has been. And even though God has taken me uh, many places uh, around the country, there's the reality that this is a place that I want people to see Jesus. And so what is it? What is it that we're called to do? Now, if you look on the front of your bulletins, and this is printed for you every week, it's probably one of those things that, again, you see and just kind of pass over, but printed on the front of your bulletin is our vision statement, our purpose statement. And this is what it says. Our purpose is to glorify God through faithfully following the scripture, to love one another, and to reach the world with the power of Christ. And on the same front of the bulletin, there's four words, and we try to make it so it rhymes for you. Worship teaching, nurture, and reaching. That's how we take that statement and try to make it practical in very real ways. So hopefully today and this morning is going to be very practical for you, but hopefully it's a reminder. And I put in the title, All In. Now this is a a term that I get from poker, and it's where you are playing poker and you get to the place where you're ready to put in all of your chips to bet on the hand that you don't even know is going to specifically happen. You know your two cards, but you don't know what the rest is coming. So I put it in this perspective. Will you go all in in 2019? Don't reserve. Don't hold anything back. 
Will you go all in to be a part of having Northside impact this community and loving one another? We don't get this from any, uh, just out of the air. We take it from scripture and it comes from Acts chapter two. So look at your Bibles, Acts chapter two, starting at verse 42. And it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as all had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are the marks that you have given to your church that we would be about worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching. Lord, may we, especially in this new year, make this our priority, that we would truly, with our hearts and our minds and our actions, that we would be all in to seeing your kingdom come here in the O'Galley area in Brevard County. And Lord, we would pray boldly, even the world. Heavenly Father, we know that you hear us and we know that you will answer. So Lord, we ask or no, we beg that you would fulfill your promise to build your kingdom and to build your church. And Lord, that you would start here with us. So Lord, truly teach us this morning. Give us ears to hear and hearts to take what we are to learn and apply it. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to look at these four different sections. And the first one we're going to look at is worship. So as we look at this, we start off by looking at the church. And so we look at it from two different perspectives. We look at it from being universal and we look at it being here local. We look at it being universal because this is Pentecost that we're reading about. It's a time where Jesus, again, promised that he was going to send the Holy Spirit to come upon the apostles. And as the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles, remember, it's Peter who goes out and begins to give a sermon where the people, listen, hear in their own language. Now, I want you to understand that what's happening here is that this is starting to be a reversal of the Tower of Babel. If you remember the Tower of Babel, that's where God, remember, split everybody into multiple languages and multiple nations. And so what's happening here is a reversal. So as as Peter preaches, he's preaching, preaching in his language, but everybody that comes back, people that have come into Jerusalem, are hearing in their own language. He's establishing his universal church. He's bringing back his people. Now, this doesn't undermine the local church. Because again, we have a lot of people who go, well, then I'm a member of the universal church, but that doesn't mean I have to come to a specific church. It's like this illustration that I heard one of the pastors says. He says, that's like somebody saying, I want to play in the NFL. I just don't want to be on a team. It can't happen. If you're part of the universal church, then you're called to be a part of a local body of believers. Because we are to be here to equip one another. We're here to encourage one another, to build one another up. And we are to be active participants. 
Which means that, again, we, we have to put in the mindset that we're here, not, again, to always ask the question. And, I, and I, again, I hope you are ministered to. But our purpose should be, how has God called me to minister to others? How am I to love? How am I to encourage them? How am I to build them up? And as we do that, then what happens is we start to begin to grasp and understand what worship is. And first, we should be about private worship. So we should be doing this daily. We should be understanding that we're called to be living sacrifices. That we're called to live out the gospel. We are called to be a sacrifice. And as we do that, then what we have is we have the opportunity to then to come together corporately. And as we come together corporately, the first thing we have to remind ourselves is this is an audience of one. Again, I know we live in a day and age where people will look at our, at our worship service and they go, oh, this is boring. Here's my struggle. I grew up in emotional churches. The raising of the hands, the closing your eyes, the, the praise music behind the stuff and, and everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes the emphasis to the exclusion of truth, then there's a problem. When I went through my parents' divorce, when I went through the troubles in high school, I didn't need an emotional Jesus. I needed the real Jesus of the scripture. And so we're, we're very specific here of making sure that we keep the main thing the main thing. And so we don't want to have distractions. We don't want to, to have it in such a way because we have to understand that we come for an audience of one and we come to worship him with our whole hearts and we engage, listen, with our whole hearts and our minds. Everything that we come, we bring. And so it shouldn't be just with our lips. It should be with our whole being. And as we begin to, to get this, we remind ourselves, well, then what's the purpose? Why did God give us here? And I think the, the Westminster Divines give us a great beginning to the catechisms. What is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our purpose. We are to be, as the scripture says, we're supposed to be in awe and wonder. And and again, I I get it. Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you've had a a long Saturday night evening. Um, Sometimes you get up, you're just tired, you're strained and stuff like that. But I'm telling you, and and this is from somebody who uh, is not very emotional, except about the things that I'm passionate about. You want to get me passionate? I'll talk about Florida State. Again, I get so overwhelmed by watching those stupid Florida State games that I won't watch it in real time unless I'm at the game because I become so angry. But it impacts me. If there's things with my kids, I'm passionate about that. Jesus, I'm passionate about because it's the truth. And it has set me free. And so there's, there's a place where, again, even if this had just two or three people, would I still come with a perspective of I've come to worship God with my whole heart and soul and mind? Are you in awe and wonder when you come to this place? And not only that, do you begin to enjoy him? And again, I don't want you to to mix that up with happiness. Happiness is shallow. It's temporary. It's based on conditions. And you could be happy one week and happy not, just off of the the air conditioning, off of the lighting, off of the whatever. So one week it's perfect. Everything is going great. The next week it's horrible. That's conditional. It's not about happiness. It's about enjoying the Lord. Do you enjoy the Lord? 
Do you, are you happy? Are you, are you ecstatic? Because you get to be the one who knows the creator of the universe in a personal way. That's what we get to do. And how does that happen? Well, it happens through teaching. And so, again, we have to ask the question of what, what was happening here with the disciples. It says, they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. And then awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So there's the reality that, again, we have to know the God that is that we serve. Now, I want you to understand there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. So we can know a lot about God. Okay, And we know a lot about a lot of people. Things are written out there. We can know a lot about the, the people. There's the Golden Globes, are, I think, are happening tonight or something like that. And so all these people that have made all these great movies or TV shows, I don't know which one it is, something. But we can know and we can read all these things about all these people. And we can talk like they're really people that we know. But I don't get a, a Christmas card from any one of them. They've never come to my house. They've never paid for a new car for me. They've never done any of that kind of stuff. But I can know their birth date. I can know where they're living. I can know their kids' names. I can know where they went to school. I can know, and that's the same thing with God. You can know a lot about God. You can even have read the Bible without taking the time to get to know him in a loving and real real relationship. Two very, very different things. And he calls us and he says, I want you to know who I am. And he does it by saying it happens through the apostles' teaching. Now again, remember, the New Testament isn't written at this time. The apostles are the ones who are going to write it. And so what it says is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they were going around and they were doing signs and wonders and miracles. They were proving that because they were eyewitnesses about Jesus, they were going around and telling everyone, this is true. And this is the Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Messiah that you've always been waiting for. And so as we begin to, to put that into perspective, we need to make sure that we're studying the Word. That's where He tells us, here's how to live, and this is how you know me. And so it should be happening first in private. Listen, I would love for you to make a commitment. Go out there. We've printed some more copies for you to read through the Bible in a year. If you want to take two years, you want to take five years, I don't care that Reigns is out there from five days, I mean five minutes a day, to reading through chronologically, reading through um, systematically, whatever you want to do. Just read. Read the Bible. Quit reading books about the Bible and actually read the Bible. And make a commitment to that. Um, one pastor made this statement. He says, sin keeps us away from the word, but the word keeps us away from sin. See, that's, that's where we need. We need to be in the word. We need to be told. We need to have it confront our souls and our minds constantly. Because if not, then what? We become bored and we set it aside. And then again, please understand this. Quit feeling guilty. Religion's good about making you feel guilty. If you miss a day or two a week, pick up where you left off. God's not there checking. He says, he's not grading on a curve and go, well, Neil got half of it this year. So Neil's a failure. Any time with God is a good time. So pick it back up. 
Spend time, commit to it. And as you commit to it in private, then be committed to it here publicly. Again, we are founded on preaching the word of God for both head and heart. Not only do we come here just for head knowledge, but it should be practical. How do we live this out? That's the purpose of today. We're the church, we have the marks of the church, and that's great to talk about. But if we don't do anything about it, then it does absolutely no good for us. We have to be practical in regards to our heart, and we use the whole word. Don't pick and choose. I was talking to a teenager this past week, and, and we were talking, so what are you, what are you going to do this next year of reading through the scripture and stuff like that? And his statement to me was like, uh, I'll just kind of pick every day. And I'm just like, what? Are you just going to sit here and go, dear God, please speak to me. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, bless his holy name. Uh, okay, sounds good. And that's how some people go. Be systematic. Pick a book. Just do one book. You want to get through a book of the Bible? Do Jude. Philemon. Someone told me they wanted to memorize the, a, a book of the Bible, and they were doing Colossians. They said, it's really hard. I'm three days into it. I said, then change to Philemon. Memorize something. Spend time in the Word because it's going to change you. Why? Because there's such a thing called the ministry of the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Spirit is, um, let's be honest, especially those of you who are older, have you noticed that your um, mind begins to play tricks with you about details and your kids start to correct you more and more? That's not what happened, Dad. No, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Dad, no, that never happened at all. Who asked you to be a part of my family? Things get twisted. Things begin to disappear. Why do you think God wrote his word? This is a lost art for this next generation. Okay? When I send out thank you notes and stuff like that, um, I still write letters. I still actually put stamps. I, I use slow, what do they call it, snail mail or whatever. I still use it. Part of the reason why is because I want people to be able to go back and to read the words. Do you, do you not remember the, the love letters? This is God's love letter to us. And we get to go and we get to look and see specifically, this is what God said. And this isn't what I think God said. This is what he said. And then as we begin to hear the words, then listen, the Holy Spirit then allows us to obey the word. Again, he puts it, he allows us to put it into practice every day. Because he can only tell us the truth of what we find in Scripture. It's his whole purpose. And so the, the Holy Spirit ministers to us to allow us to take the word and apply it and to allow it to go deep into our hearts. And again, I don't care how many times you've read the Bible, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, you will always find something new. God and the Holy Spirit are good that way. And there are times where I'm just like, oh, I know this, I know this chapter. And then God would bring something new out of there. I go, that wasn't there before. See, our understanding of who God is gets bigger every time we read. So commit to it. Third thing is it talks about nurture. And again, this is a time where it says they were um, breaking of bread together. They were in each other's homes. They were edifying one another. They were giving to one another. And this is an opportunity, again, where we have fellowship. Now, again, this isn't just 
the Panera that we have out there and the coffee and the water, that's not fellowship. Okay? That's just calories. All right? Fellowship is where we become the church. Truly become the church. It's the koinia. And it happens both inside the church as well as outside the church. And what do I mean by that? Listen, inside the church, what God has called us to do, and what happens here in the book of Acts, is that this is a multicultural, multiracial, rich and poor, old and young, slave and free, all coming together to be unified. It's one of the reasons why we don't split into age groups. So the young people, you might struggle with the things that the old people want to do. And the old people, you might struggle with what the young people want to do. You know what that's called? Family. And most of you know it, especially if you went away. Because I've heard many stories of, how was your time away? It was good. I was ready to come home, though. Because you can only take so much of family when you're not in your normal routine. Right? Because there's conflict sometimes. You know what Jesus did? He says, I'm going to put you in conflict all the time. Why? Because when we're left to ourselves, we think we got it right. And you don't. You need people. You need people you like, and you need people you don't like. Why? Because it helps create us to look more like Jesus. And when you put all of these people together, listen, what started to happen was they started to share with one another. They started to give to one another. Not out of guilt, but out of joy. Are you, are you giving to other people out of joy? I'm not saying it's not easy, but I mean, one of the things that, I mean, it was God's providence. Yesterday, when Dixie called to tell us about Chris, we just happened to be up in Vieira, and we were at Walmart when she called. So what was it easy? You know, my inclination was, well, let's play for her. Let's, you know, that's sad. My wife was like, we got to put together um, a little goodie bag for her for the hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course we need to do that. So we bought a bag and we put in snacks and water and things for her to have at the hospital. Little things. But they're meaningful things. They're things because that's how we share with one another. And when that happens, then the people outside of the church, listen, when they begin to see a deep community, they understand this is not natural. This isn't natural. Rich people tend to stay with rich people. That's why they have gated communities. Poor people stay with poor people. White stays with white. Blacks stay with blacks. All of it's split. The church is supposed to be the one place where God comes and he says, see how this is different. And when people see how we're different, then they're attracted and it says they had favor with all the people. This should be a place where all the nations come. All people with all struggles and trials. The people from the LGBT community should feel free to come here. Let Jesus change them. This should be a place where people come with addictions. Let Jesus change them. Let people come who think that they have it all together. They got the right family and they go to the right schools and they have the right amount of money. And they live in the right home. Let Jesus change them. Let Jesus do it. And when we come together in that kind of fellowship, then what happens is it says that hospitality, listen, is good. What does that mean? It means that food matters. It does. It's a place where people can get together, they break bread together, and listen, this happens in each other's homes. So again, shake this up, because this is, this is one of the things I don't like about the new building. 
<gasps> I know. The one thing I don't like about this new building is now it has become harder to talk to each other in this building. And it's easier for people to escape. See, these front doors, people use them. In the old sanctuary, you couldn't. You had to leave out the back. So someone always saw you. Okay. What also is bad is that we're at an awkward place where we're too big to be so small where we meet each visitor and we just like, a new person, come, come here, we need you. People come and they go, you know what, I haven't seen my friends for the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to go talk to them. So what happens? Sometimes visitors get lost. I told Jill Joffrey this morning, if you're going to sit in the back row, and that's fine, that's a very Presbyterian of her. If she's going to be in the back row, then she has to make sure that everyone around her gets up and moves when we ask you to get up and move and find new people. Don't go to the people you know. Find new people. Let me slow down for those who are still asleep. Find new people. Make friends. Invite people. Don't assume anything. Go and be the church. Go enjoy one another. One of the things I love about this church is we do like to have fun. I love messy fun days. I love doing weird games at the Christmas thing. I love that I went out and bought a weird sweater. Now, it wasn't weird because they don't make them for fat people, but it was as weird as I could get. But enjoy. Spend time with one another. And you know what? If you're a young person, quit complaining that nobody invites you. You invite the older people. Have them come to your house. Invite yourself to them to go to lunch. Older people, don't just go to lunch with just your friends. Invite some of the young people. Listen to their stories. I told you, I'm listening to Christian rap. Love some of it. Can't stand others. But it's on my radio station. And you know what? More times not, it's being turned to that station because of the people who are in the car. Come on, enjoy and be with one another. Open your house up. And who cares if it's messy? If the people come and they care that it's messy, then say, okay, I'm going to your house next time. <laughs> and I'm serious about that. We, we used to have things, eight dinners for eight or something like that, where eight people throughout the year decided they would go from house to house. If you want to just clean your house one time a year, be a part of that. You don't know how? Then talk to Neil. He is Mr. Fun. In his own way. But go talk to me and I'll set up things for you. Because the next thing I want you to do is to commit to a small group. Why do I say that? Because that's where life on life happens. It, again, it's, it's a struggle, especially with this size church. is one of the in-between sizes. So how do you make this become very practical and real in regards to the church? Do a small group. If you don't like the ones that are out there, start one. And I'm serious about that. If you, if you're at a place where you're just like, it's too far, it's at the wrong times, then start your own. Again, Neil can help you start them. Start one. 
But it's where life on life happens. That's where you, you deal with the good things and then you deal with the hard things. It also means it's a place for you to go deeper. And listen, it takes accountability. It means that the desire is to look more like Jesus. So go. Take a chance. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. The last thing it tells us in the scripture, it tells us about reaching. And again, there's two ways that we look at it. One is locally. And then the second is globally. But the first one is locally. And the first thing we should understand is this is just ministry. And Sinclair Ferguson has a great quote. And he says, it's not, ministry is not what you do. Ministry is who you are. Because again, here's, here's sometimes the problem. Pastor, I don't feel called to this. And usually it's an area. I'm not called to youth ministry. Okay, that's fine. But can you be called to Clay? Can you be called to Christy? Can you be called to Torin? Can you be called to Sarah? Get to know the youth. Some of the best people in my youth ministry career were people who had nothing to do with any of the games, any of the teaching. They were people who prayed consistently and then asked the teenagers, how are you doing? And the teenagers had grandmas and grandpas that they knew were praying for them and cared about them. What an incredible gift. One of the illustrations that a pastor said was there was a Christian uh, prisoner you know, getting, being put in solitary confinement. So he was only allowed out of his cell for one half hour out of the day. And there's only one other prisoner uh, in solitary confinement. So they both, there was only the two of them. And so they walked around the yard for one half hour. And he said that this prisoner, all he started to do was talk to this other prisoner about why he was in solitary confinement and about Jesus. Because that was his ministry. And it said after the time that they were in solitary confinement, that other prisoner came to Christ. You are the ministry. Just be who you are. Tell people about Jesus. They'll know whether it's real or not. But you go and do the ministry. But there's also an opportunity where there is a calling. And again, this is where God has given to his church spiritual gifts. And all of us have different gifts. And it has to do with sometimes the calling, but it also has to do with the opportunity. Again, people have started the two-gather ministry here where the ladies come together and craft. That's, that's a startup from, from the congregation. I want to have a fishing tournament for men. And I, I'm starting to talk to, to Kyle Walters, someone who's won thousands of dollars, not at our church, didn't give it here to our church, which I, well, I'll bring it up with him. But I talked to him yesterday. I said, hey, I would love to, to do a bass tournament or whatever. He says, why don't we just start over with a fishing tournament and just get people to come? I said, sounds great. Do ministry. If you're called to the Booker D. Washington community, come over with Brandon and I and Tamson. Those kids love it. They love it. If you're called to, to schools around you, if you're called to seniors ministry, if you're called to cruise ministry, then be cruise ministries. I don't care. But do it. And then what do I want you to do all the time? Pray. Again, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how limited your vocabulary is. You're called to pray. And it is the essence of the pleasantries to God in the bowls of gold. So if you can do nothing else, pray for this community. 
Pray for the salvation of others around us. Pray for Jesus to come. And then take that and look, not just locally, but go and look globally. And again, pray. And pray specifically. We're going to go to Northern Ireland. So I'm going to ask, hey, I'm not going to tell you to stop praying for another country. We need to be praying for China. And we need to be praying for North Korea and Iraq and where our brothers and sisters are being killed for the gospel. We need to be praying for those countries. But I'm asking you to pray specifically for Northern Ireland this year. It's our only mission trip. So what a wonderful thing to have everybody in this church praying for Northern Ireland. And not just Northern Ireland, but specifically Bally Sally. The housing estate, listen, this will be our 19th year that missionaries have been a part of that community. 19. And it has changed the community. But it's because God shows up, not because of us. So pray. And then here's another thing you can do. Give. Give. Give of your time. Give of your effort. Give of your skills. Because here's the reality. I want you to go. I want you to go. Well, I don't want to go to Northern Ireland. Then, then go, go to Northern Ireland. I like Native Americans. Well, then go to Native Americans. I like the inner city. Then go to the inner city. Go to Haiti. Go to wherever. Just go. Get a bigger vision of the world. So let's make this practical. How do you do that? In worship. Listen, you can be a part of the worship team, the AV guys, the arts. You want to start something here? Do a play. Do a reading. Do a concert. Do an art gallery. I don't care. Get people in the building. Do become a greeter. Become an usher. Become a welcome. And listen, I've added this word. Ambassador. Makes you sound really good. Our visitors need to know where to go. They need a friendly face. Be that person. Be a prayer warrior. We're growing with a prayer group. Not as fast as we want, but we're growing. How to see God change the world through prayer? It's an incredible gift. Be a part of reading scripture up here. Do special music. If you want to be a part of teaching, teach Sunday school. Attend Sunday school. Go to a Bible study. Get your reading plan and start it. Start a one-on-one discipleship ministry with someone in the church. You want to be a part of nurture? Go to a small group. Have people over to your house. Be honest. One of my struggles with small groups a lot of times is one that stays surfacy. How are you doing? Fine. How are you doing? Fine. We're all fine. Good. Let's go. Quit lying. Be honest. Trust a little bit. So be honest. Maybe you need to forgive. I'm not doing anything with anybody because I don't trust them and I don't care. Man, I hope Jesus doesn't deal with us that way. And he doesn't. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Be with people. Here's another word. I think this is my word for the year. Risk. Risk. Risk and then fill in the blank. Do the card ministry. Janice Reagan is having to drop the card ministry this year. One of the things that you get, you get a card on your birthday from Northside. Start it. Take meals to people. The Creole gifts, that's another thing that Miss Dixie is not going to be able to do this coming year. To coordinate with Creole. Step up and do it. Reaching. 
Go over to the Booker T. Washington community, whether you work with a doc or the Police Athletic League. Go to the schools. Be a part of the pregnancy resources. Invite someone to church. You want to grow this church? If everybody just brought one person this next year, one, one other person this next year, we would double in size. That's amazing mathematics, isn't it? Maybe you invited somebody and they told you no. Well, maybe you need to reinvite them. Reinvite. Be a part of Vacation Bible School. Know your missionaries and pray for them by name. Read their stories. Go to Northern Ireland this year on a mission trip. Pray. Now, in years past, I've had a piece of paper that I wanted you to fill out. Yes, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this. Now, what happens is that sometimes people, I would get some things back and people had checked everything. I was like, ugh. I'm going to send something out. If you are a regular attender or member, you're going to get something in your email. And I'm going to ask for you to pray and say, how am I going to be part of an area of worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching this year? That's all I'm asking you. Four things. Worship, teaching, nurture, and reaching. How am I going to be involved in Northside for 2019? You know what the scripture says happens when we began to expand the ministry this way? And it said, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. We have prayed that this church would be a beacon of hope and life to this community. We're already an answer to my prayers from 20 plus years ago. I guess it's longer than that now. Over 30 years ago, I started praying for Brevard County that there were Bible-believing churches that would come to this area. We're an answer. God's faithful. And he will build your kingdom. And you know what? Amazingly, he's going to use us to do it. The crooked striking a straight line. That's the glory of God. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, as we come to a new year, Lord, we cry out to you because you are a God who does not have New Year resolutions. Lord, you remembered the first ones and have always been faithful. And Father, because you are faithful, we cling to the promise that you will build your kingdom. You will build your church here at Northside, the O'Galley area, Brevard County, and Lord, even the world. So, Lord, use amazing ways. Lord, if it takes a painting, if it takes a ministry startup this year, if it takes someone just praying for the next kid to be raised up in Sunday school, Lord, you change the world with people such as these. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you give us another opportunity to go forth, to preach the good news, to love on people, to enjoy one another, to build each other up, and to build your church by whatever means necessary. So, Father, use us. And, Lord, I do pray that we would look more like our Savior, Jesus Christ, in 2019 than we did in 2018. Ah, Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Give us that that spirit of power and not timidity and send us forth into a world to preach the good news, heal the sick, and set captives free. For we pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said.
Amen.